Hello, welcome back. You're with the Gnosis Hour here, uh, which is a sacred space to share our deep truths and hidden gems, to play in the mystery, explore the magic, the madness, and the potential of being human right now. I'm Philly C. This is my beautiful co-host, Stephanie Lightsmith. Hi, everyone. So happy to be back and so delighted to be with Malcolm Wilson and Lorraine Laulau. Um, I know Malcolm from a few years back when we created a lovely uh, Heaven on Earth retreat together, which was um, very, very special and a wonderful way to get to know somebody. And I know lovely Lorraine from the Marvelous Awakening Circle, which she co-hosts with Malcolm, which is a very special space for people who are awakening who might not really quite understand what's going on with them. And I've, I've been to several of them and they really are very special. So we welcome them here today to just talk about life, love, the whole damn thing, dreams, visions, the playground, the garden, and whatever comes through. So thanks for joining us. Pull up your chair, get your cup of tea or your glass of wine. And um, we're gonna hand over now to Malcolm and Lorraine to give, an, give us an intro, a little bit about themselves. So maybe Malcolm, you wanna start? Yeah, thank, thank you so much, uh, uh, Stephanie and Philly, for <clears throat> inviting us along. Yeah, so uh, I do co-host the um, the Awakening Circle uh, with Lorraine, which kind of um, rests in that sweet spot by what it means to, uh, to walk between sort of psychology and, and, and spirituality as a, as a human being, attempting to kind of walk through this planet sort of fully formed, you know, full integrated self. Um, Outside that, I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a clinical hypnotherapist. Um, that's, the, that's what the title in the frame says, um, but sometimes uh, things go into pretty mystical stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, honestly, when I'm not doing that, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a partner, I'm a dad. Um, and so I kind of walk these, these two worlds, you know what I mean? Uh, between very sort of gritty, very, very here, the world of... Um, the world of psychology, I hate the term mental health, so perhaps the word, the world of the mind and uh, encompassing in that somewhere, um, this kind of mystical stuff that always just seems to kind of happen and leaves me scratching my head <laughs> just as much oh, yeah. as everybody who comes to me for answers. Mm. Mm. No, no, I've experienced that. In the rain, lovely rain. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you for inviting me on this. It's, it's great to uh, be talking with you today. So what do I do? I am privileged to be able to work with people um, and help them with their wellness. Uh, I know that that can sound a bit, I don't know, we were in some respects, I suppose. But what that means in, in real life is I can help them um, release their energetic blockages. Uh, it could be to do with anxiety, could be depression, could be just general not feeling great, um, a whole bunch of things really, um, and just working with that and also working with spirit as well, quite linked into earth ancestors at the moment and, and the trees seem to be my friends more than uh, more so than other things. Um, and then on the flip side of that, I'm also working in corporate for government, so can be seen mm -hmm. as quite a contradiction in some ways mm, that's wow. quite a diverse mix yeah very yeah. much both for both of you those do both have these um yeah and, and do 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 you feel there's a way to integrate that like you're you're um you know you have a lot of responsibility as a clinical hypnotherapist and also as a father and a partner and running the circle and you you're also a therapist and working for government 
and running the circle. So um, do you want to maybe start by sharing how you integrate all that? Because I think integration is one of the most important things we're all doing. We're all looking at uh, integration and alignment. Like how do we take all these different sides of ourselves and make a whole that is really not two different people? Because yes. I, I remember when I was, you know, running the theater in London, I was sort of the person running the theater. And then I was this other person that might be called a little bit mysterious. But now, now I feel that more of us can sort of say, isn't it wonderful that you, you, you have a, a high awareness and you also work in government and you also, you know, this is where we need this awareness to be and do, to help change our world. So maybe you guys could uh, just launch with that and then just take over. We'll just hold space for you. So um, from my point of view, I mean, that's absolutely right, Stephanie. I, I felt for quite a while I was I was two different people and I'd swap and I'd be this person over here and working with clients and their wellness and talking to spirit and those types of things. And then, you know, it's almost like I'd put on a different uniform or a different set of clothes and all of a sudden I'd be going into this corporate building and working with project management and doing very, I guess, what you might call logical structured stuff as opposed to random things happening and then just trying to um, make sense of them. So one that was very, very strict about this is the way things are done. And the other almost completely letting go of the reins and going, oh, whatever, <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever happens here. And did that for a while, but with increasing amounts of disease, you know, not, not being at ease with myself as a person because I was feeling like I was living in two worlds and I wanted to be like one person integrate those. Um, and as I became more aware of that, kind of started talking more just in general about uh, working with crystals and energy and experiencing things and just random little things in everyday conversation like, oh, I blame the full moon, you know, just drop things into kind of conversations just whilst I was in the office or whatever. And really surprised at how many people came back and said, oh, yeah. And, you know, I would say something about crystals or would say something about the full moon or, oh, I also felt that way. Oh, is it because of the moon? And lots of interest in that. But then I suppose the key point for me where my world kind of collided, um, I was working with a, um, working um, up in Wanganui, uh, emptying a building. And I was aware that there was a spirit there. And I had a conversation with this spirit about the work that I was doing. Um, and then basically came back to the office in Wellington and I had three quite senior people in the room with me and I was saying, hey, you know what, we need to make sure we do appropriate tukanga, we need to make sure the appropriate blessings before we, um, you know, move anything from this building and because I've spoken to a guy up there and I've promised him, I've made a commitment, this is what we're going to do. And they said, oh, well, okay, so, but that's fine. Who is he? We weren't aware anybody was working up there and I went, no, he's dead. <laughs> and there was this silence and like you can almost you know the tumbleweed turning across and I kind of breathed in and didn't breathe out again for a bit and then one of them went well we absolutely need to make sure that we did um that we do the appropriate blessings from there and I kind of breathed out and that was it for me that was it that was the defining moment of no more this and that this is me and now I'm not apologizing for that I'm not gonna caveat with anything this is me Take it or leave it. <laughs> That's just wonderful. And also giving mm -hmm. them permission to, uh, you know, also honor that side of themselves because so many mm -hmm. people have these perceptions and also most importantly, honoring, you know, the commitment that you made. So that's a beautiful story. Thank mm -hmm. you. 
yeah, that's, that's really powerful what you've just spoken to. Um, yeah, was, was there any kind of defining moment for you, Malcolm, where you sort of went public or sort of integrated into yourself or, yeah, what, what was that like for you? Probably, probably a few sort of defining moments. I'd, I'd grown up with a, um, <clears throat> this, this uh, within fundamental religion, um, but with some quite sort of dark aspects of that as well. And so I did, of course, what you typically do when you're surrounded by, by a lot of this stuff. It was sort of religion, but a bit mystical, but a bit, a bit confusing. And so, of course, I, um, I took off and ran in the other direction and went very much into, you know, look, I just want to, I'm just going to play in what I considered then to be the real world. And I, I thought I was. But I sort of found that as, as life went on, and in fact, it took me a couple of people, for, I, I thought I'd had this massive awakening experience, and I did. But what had actually been happening through so much of my life is I'd always been connecting with energy. I'd always been speaking with spirits or feeling feeling the energy of a building or I might be able to feel the tectonic plates under the land and and so it was more integrated than I was prepared to admit to myself so um I, I went on and had this this huge huge spiritual awakening but then I found that I'd actually gone too far out the other side I was I was I was not really sort of sort of managing i suppose the real world or, or or those simple things of life all that well at all and the only so there wasn't so much a whiz bang moment where it all came together it was just an understanding that if i put one area ahead of the other area then there'd be an imbalance within myself now i always kind of go well i'm I'm a Libran and the Capricornian saves my ass, right? So, you know, the Capricornian is really structured and really, you know, goes forward with the Capricornian and um, I stand in, my Libran is all about balance. And to me, that balance between all of the parts is where I find my own, my own sense of peace. And so I can go days without talking or, or, or feeling anything overly spiritual at all. And then I can go days where that's more to the fore. And for me, it's just about letting go and just going with that river. Whatever conversation is meant to come out is going to come out. I, I have many, many clients per day. You know, I can, I can, I work very, very hard because this, I do believe this is my purpose. This is why I'm incarnated on this planet to be, to be a hypnotherapist, to help people, you know, with their journeys. And so I almost feel my job is to let go of the wheel and whatever pops out of my mouth pops out of my mouth. And the more I can do that, the more I can surrender to it, the better it is for the people who I'm here to serve. And also the better it is for my, for my well-being. So a, a perfect example of that is I have, I have a 13-year-old daughter with whom if I talk anything about spirits at all, she's terrified, not just a little bit afraid, terrified. She had an experience when she was four and she's never really uh, integrated it. But I have a son who just meditates every single day. He's nine years old. He's he's always talking with ghosts or or with or with you know. Um, uh, he has a really strong pull towards shamanism at the moment, and he knows what it is, and he's fascinated by it. And so with him, I can kind of go straight into that mystical realm. So it's kind of just letting letting it flow wherever the conversation needs to be at that time. And if I do that without really worrying too much about what other people think, um. Life's peachy. Everything's absolutely fine. So there wasn't a defining moment as much as realizing that there is no separation. Uh, and if I force a separation, I'm not going to feel very good. I, I, love, I love that you kind of um, touched on 
um, some odd, interesting sounds going on, um, on, on allowing, which I think is really important. It's sort of like um, a, a beautiful place to be where we're not really trying to fix anything. Um, we're not really overly managing um, our identity in the world. We're just simply showing up and allowing other people to show up, however they may be showing up and whatever that is, that's okay. And um, I'm, I'm kind of loving that perspective myself and um, you know, contemplating that the, the, the fixing things idea is actually a very Western concept. Like in the East, there is no fixing concept. It's so much more about this is the divine play, you know, wherever you put your in, a, attention and intention is going to be your reality but there's no sort of like, I have to go fix that or save that. And I, and I think maybe, maybe these two extremes need to meet in the middle a little bit, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, I thought that, um, that coming to allowing is a really beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of my journey, I used to be a major fixer, you know, people were projects. Yeah. <laughs> <In other> words, <laughs> clearly, you know, needed to stick them back together or do something, you know, and that was the thing. And I think we all know how that goes eventually, not overly well, probably for either of you, um, <laughs> and, yeah. um, you, you know, and, and just kind of experiencing that. And then, you know, I guess trying to then go, well, what is it about me? And then trying to fix myself type thing. And, you know, well, somebody says this, so I must be broken and therefore I have to fix myself. Right. So, but then finally kind of like you were saying, dropping into that space of just going, okay, so that's a thing. Why does it have to be a good thing or a bad thing? There's so many, I think, like you were saying, in the Western world, we, it seems it has to be black or white. It has to be right or wrong. Whereas in the work and the way I operate in terms of myself now, I work in every single shade of color. Mm, beautiful. So, yeah, and that's with, that's with everything. That's with spirits or energies that I work with. That's with the way I operate. You know, there, there is no right or wrong. There's differing degrees of, I think, what you believe in uh, based on, you know, perhaps your story and your journey and things like that. And those change over time as well. And not being afraid to change, because I think that's the other thing you know I, um, I don't know about you guys but when I was brought up it was kind of like you get a job and you stick to the job or you make you get you make a decision you stick to the decision and that's it otherwise you failed and that was kind of a bit of my upbringing where all of a sudden somewhere along the journey I went well actually I made that decision and it's a bit crap so I'm just going to change it and be damned if <laughs> be damned yeah. if it's if that makes me a bad person well you know what it's my life. Bon Jovi had a great thing when he wrote that song. <laughs> That's all yeah. I'm saying. That was my um, anthem for a good few years in my 20s. Like, you know what? I'll make mistakes, but at least they're mine, you know? And, and embracing that part of it and going, they're mine. So what's wrong with that? That's part of my journey. Yeah, I, I would like to, you know, state for the record for all of us that this tyranny of like, accepting what we were born with, so to speak, whether that be a name, a, a lineage, a, a, um, you know, a, a state of abundance is just utter rubbish and um, hypnotism. And it's like identity branding of the soul when, when really we're in this big playground and we could change who we are, who we show up as every single day. 
the clown, the the wise person, the preacher, the whatever, uh, the dancer, and um, yeah, the the whole culture, the old paradigm culture, I should mm. say. And Phil's taking a fabulous course on new paradigm, um, you know, branding, which is, which I read yeah. about, which is super cool. And I'll let him take up. Uh, let, I mean, I, I like where you're going with this, Stephanie. This this whole sentiment is. Uh, and we talked a little bit about this before we jumped on the podcast. It's about the, the tyranny of, of trying to be someone, of trying to be, of trying to play along, I guess, whether that's with other people's expectations, our own expectations of ourselves. And then within that is a conflict with uh, actually listening to ourselves and what spontaneously arises. And, and like Lorraine was saying, that's, that's making a new decision because, but it's our decision. So mm-hmm. like, it, it, it's true for us. Um, and um, yeah, so before we jumped on, it sort of started, we started talking about how there's this uh, like tendency for people, especially like they, they go through an awakening, which, which is something you guys are holding a lot of space for. People having a spiritual awakening, they're like, oh my God, there's this other aspect of life I never, I never even knew about. But then even within that, there's this thing of like wanting to do what everyone else is doing and like, oh, you know, I, I need to do the ayahuasca or I need to like do this other thing or like um, connect with these people or have these experts. But but it's uh, perhaps to the detriment of their own individual journey. It might not be about, it might not look like anyone else's journey. And um, yeah, I, I wonder if you guys could speak to that and, and maybe some of your experience about holding space within um, within the circle, like yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I have a I have a really a really powerful personal memory that from when I was twenty one years old, and <clears throat> I was uh, I was flatting at the time, and you know, just typical kind of stuff. Everybody was, was partying a lot, and you know, smoking a lot of weed and drinking, and da 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 da. And everyone decided that on this particular night they were going to take acid, and um, and so um, I remember. I remember sort of being about to, and this huge—we're talking huge Metatron-sized voice—came through my head and said, "Do not." And it was the first time I'd heard that voice. Actually, the second time because the first time I heard it, I was eleven, and it said, "Put your shoes on because you might hurt yourself." And I walked outside and stood in a bee. So I kind of had a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a precursor to listen to that voice. And so I, I kind of, I put, I put the tab down, bought myself a glass of red. And then I spent that evening working with the environment, basically there helping people who, have, who were going through a bad trip, maybe changing the music around a bit, making sure the lights were all good. Um, just really kind of keeping the vibe up. But actually I had one glass of rare wine the entire night and I loved it. This mm-hmm. is 19 years before I became a therapist, 19 years before I held space for anybody in a professional capacity. And I sometimes wonder what would have happened if I had listened to that voice. And a lot of these people were going through spiritual journeys at the time and they decided that that psychedelics were the way. I've never taken a psychedelic in my life um, because of that voice. And I, and I can't help but feel that for me personally, I was never meant to. Mm. Now, let's say that changes in 20 years. Sure, absolutely. Look, it might. I might find myself taking ayahuasca. I don't know. And I think that's the key is that I don't know. So with the circles when we sort of get people 
around us. We can have a, one of my favorite circles. We had, God, we had like people ranging from like 18 up through to their mid 60s. I think there, there was a person who identified as a Buddhist who was, who was doing all they could to ascend, to leave their body, to make sure this was their last life. There are, um, I think, three. It was one of the ones I think you were at, actually, Stephanie. And it was such a vast array of people with such a vast array of cultural and spiritual understanding. Different, you know, different, different status levels in terms of like, you know, how they've been brought up, etc. Right across the board. And in that, you can only really sort of, sort of say, well. Heck, this is this is maybe this is my answer. I have to kind of tune into myself. I can take, I can listen to advice from other people, but I really don't get much of a choice but to follow my path. And the awakening circles, to my mind, and uh, maybe you can add to this a bit, Lorraine, but the awakening circles, to my mind, really facilitate that 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 you are ultimately that drop of source. You are that that you are the magic. You are the creator of your own existence, your own reality. And then, what is your spiritual path? or even your human path simply may not work for the person five chairs along, but it might work for the person 12 chairs along. And, and we don't know. So we try and sort of create and cultivate a space where people begin to see themselves as their own sovereign beings, their own decision makers, and perhaps just upon that awakening, not fall into the latest trend. If you look through, say, one of my, my things I'm fascinated by is the, the history of spiritual trends. So, so even going through from like the 60s, where it was very much sort of flower path through to maybe the 70s, where it was kind of the you know, Christ being the ultimate hippie through until like the Jonestown massacre, where that was all affronted, which then led to the 80s, which led to like this vast capitalism and almost a godless existence, I suppose, or a spiritualist existence. And then the whole cycle turns back around and turns back around. But who are we in that cycle? Who are we in the span of a, a typical human life? As those trends come and go, we saw it last year, I believe, and this is just my take, but we saw it last year with QAnon, almost like a hyper-religiosity within the wellness community and, and the spiritual experience. And, and it can be very, very tempting after an awakening just to jump onto something and go, oh, phew, I don't need to think anymore. I don't need to go through this because this person's got the answers. They've got all of that. And I see that a lot in, I, I see that a lot in the awakening circles where somebody, you know, there are some people who really should not take ayahuasca. They really, mm. really shouldn't. Totally there are right. other people who are like, the, it's the best thing in the world for them. But, the, but they're not, the, how can they, those people tune in, listen to themselves, follow their own, their own little guidance system. And, and uh, that's kind of one of my passions is helping people do that. In the hypnotherapy that I do, I never try and program one thing into the person. I ask a lot of questions and then I hand out a lot of tools. And my job is to grow my toolkit to have as many tools as possible to hand out so that person can find their own way. That That is, you know, I, I really believe in that. And so much of that was spiked from both being told that anything that wasn't Christianity was evil, um, which kind of flew in the face of the fact that I was, I might learn a lot from the spirits that were walking in through to what I, you know, some of the things I've, uh, through to not taking acid in my 20s and through to sort of seeing some people follow other people's rules and actually self-destruct in the process. So, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a real passion yeah. of mine. Mm -hmm. That's a real, a real 
meaty response. <laughs> Thank you so much. I don't even know if I answered your question. <laughs> I think, I think um, yeah. before Lorraine goes, I just want to add, having been there in the 70s, um, you know, it gives me an amazing perspective and I'm, I'm actually really enjoying it, you know. So right from the beginning of the, this particular spiritual explosion that's kind of still going on, you know, starting pretty much in, well, it really started in the 1920s with, um, you know, the, the spiritualists, Madame Blavatsky and all of that. But then, you know, the youth kind of really got hit in the 60s and the 70s. And it was all about leaving the body. It was very much about spiritual bypass. It was pretty much adopting this idea that we wanted to go up. And what, what I've seen kind of the cycle bring us to now is we're, um, we're descending into the body. So we're bringing spirit into the body. We're creating heaven on earth to use an old fashioned terminology, as I've been told now, not up with the latest, the latest, but um, you know, we're bringing our I am presence or the electron, whatever we, our concept of that is our divine nature into this physical body and really honoring this body, this amazing poor maligned body that has so much wisdom has so much multidimensional um, ability, you know, sensing and sourcing and I, I think that now this is really where the fun begins. It's another kind of integration going on where instead of, and, and I really think that a lot of the great masters that I adored and still highly respect, I think they had it wrong or maybe that was right for the time. And uh, it's interesting that they're all mostly men as well. And I don't know what that means, but um, you know, like all uh, Paramahansa Yogananda and Sri Yukteswar and all, all of them and the Christian dispensation and the Buddhist dispensation. It's very much about moving out of the body, uh, moving away from sexual, sensual expression. And I, I think what happened is like with anything suppressed, it went upside down and backwards and became very desacralized, very cheapened, and, uh, you know, didn't mean anything. So why not just do lots of it and not care? And I, and I think, you know, it's really kind of coming back to, gosh, that's the most amazing thing two human beings can do or one of them. And that, you know, to do it with friendship and love and trust and consciousness and sacredness is where it seems to me the consciousness community is going. And when I say consciousness community, I'm really kind of embracing everybody because you know, this, this, what I've seen, which is so wonderful in these past, amazingly, 50 years or so, is, is that this is everywhere. So maybe people aren't ready to kind of um, do an absolute deep dive into allowing themselves to allow, but mm -hmm. the, the, they're, they're starting to see that living a life of meaning and purpose is a really good goal, and that they don't need to abandon who they are, they don't need to leave government or corporate or, or being a sailor or a digger or a gardener. These are all sacred things that just with a little bit of consciousness become limitless creative um, acts of, uh, of a very highly um, beautiful nature for our world, just like anything else. So I'll, I'll hand over for Lorraine's point of view on that. Yeah, I think that's really important. And it goes back to a little bit to, to kind of what we were talking about before in terms of, you know, those societal pressures, you know, we might feel inside that we want to do a certain thing and then, oh, that's not accepted. Like you would say, you know, expression, love expression, um, sexual expression, so on and so forth. Um, and those energies can be beautiful and lovely and wonderful, but then if you allow the societal, oh, you should only do this with so-and-so, or you should only do that, or you should only do the other, then they become repressed, right? And then they come out in different ways, which doesn't 
in the longer term really serve you either, I don't believe, because you're not being true to yourself. Um, and in terms of journeys, I, I think we do get stuck in this, oh, this is the latest thing. Oh, it's a cacao, it's ayahuasca, it's whatever. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But I think it's more about taking those things and really kind of taking them out of your head and almost into your heart and going, if I think about doing this, does it feel right to me? So mm -hmm. at the moment, I'm talking with a lot of people of, right, okay, so that's what your head says, but what does your heart say? And teaching them, um, how does your heart feel when you say that? Does it feel good? Does it feel warm? Does it feel nothing? What does that feel like? Because this is about you. Uh, and I actually had somebody who over quite a period of weeks was saying to me, what did you do? What did you do? What did you do? What did you do? You, you know, you do some great stuff. What did you do to get there? And in the end, I had to say to them, look, I could write down every moment in explicit detail of how I got to today and I could give it to you and you could read it and it would not help you in the least because this is my journey, right? And I did, and you, you know, and it was well, not a straight line either. It's not a straight line. You know, I went off here and I went over there and I actually completely denied a lot of my um, spiritual side and connections and intuition for a number of years. I kind of late teenage years kind of came out and was very much doing and exploring that, that area. And then I shut it all down. I had an experience and I didn't know how to deal with it and I shut it all down. I kind of freaked out. And then um, a while, you know, probably about 10 years ago now, I slowly started opening that door very gradually again and exploring that. So it's like every journey is different and you don't know what you don't know, but that's part of, the, part of the beauty of the journey, right? It's about exploring and feeling and touching and how does that work and how does this work? If we're all given a book and, saw, and said, I'll just do that, a manual. It's so boring. <laughs> it, would, uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work anyway. I mean, I, getting to the point where we can hear our guidance like um, you described, Malcolm, that, that is just so wonderful. And also that you have the wisdom as a young person to listen, because I've often got guidance and gone like, I didn't hear that. You know? Oh, don't get me wrong. Don't get me <laughs> wrong. So, so have I, hence why I stepped on the beat. But um um, you've just reminded me of something I, I, I had an experience, a very mystical experience, and you sort of um, brought it forth in my consciousness when you mentioned Yogananda. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a story that, I, I, that sort of highlights this. But in 2018, actually in 2016, I went to a meditation. I, I had an image, a beautiful, beautiful vision of like a, a, a castle made of jewels in the Himalayas. And um, I had an unopened copy of uh, the autobiography of a yogi by Yogananda and um, one day I woke up and there was a golden light and it was uh, Babaji Mahavata who some of you may have heard of was hovering over me and he said open the book and I opened the book and there in the book was the full description if you read it which I know you have Stephanie I remember, yeah. a full description of that of that castle exactly. anyway so so this kind of went forward and he said you are going to go to Nepal and you're going to help people and I went I can't go to Nepal. I have no money. I've just started a practice. I can't, you know, it's like, mm, I'll, I'll let you know after I finish the black coffee and the two minute noodles, shall I? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so anyway, I sort of fast forward and he kept on turning up and he said, you're going to Nepal, you're going to Nepal. And then he finally said, you're going to Nepal in March, 2020. And oh, that's so hysterical. <laughs> October the 31st, 2019, I got a message from something, just a knowing 
I don't get them very often. And it said something huge is going to happen next year. Something really, really big is going to happen next year. And it's going to happen in March. And by the way, you're not going to Nepal. And I was like, what the fuck? Come on. <laughs> Am I going? Am I not going? What's going on here? So I called my friend who I was going to meet and she got angry and I canceled her flights and she went to India anyway. And of course, COVID hit. And I sat down and I said, Bauji, if you're there, tell me what's going on. He turned up and he said, you're going to Nepal. And I, this is going to sound really sacrilegious to people with strong religious beliefs, but I was done at this point. And I just said, Babaji, fuck off. <laughs> Babaji came to me a week later, turned off my dreams, my vision of my dreams, and said, you passed the test and then left. Mm. I find that very interesting because while you were talking, um, uh, you know, I've been through a, a little bit of a similar journey because when I began to connect with um, the Ascended Masters in the mid-90s, obviously it was an awe-inspiring thing. And, um, you know, I just thought, obviously, whatever they said goes and, you know, this is the high cosmic wisdom. And then I realized, wait a minute, you know, first of all, they're inside of us. Nothing is external. And nothing is external. You're all inside of me and I'm inside of you. And, um, uh, and, then, and then I realized that I, they, also, uh, they also are unique beings with affinities. And I need, above all, to follow my inner light. And I don't know whether I've been tested on purpose or not, but I have got to the same point where I've been like, I'm, I have to go where it feels good. I have to go where the light draws me, where I wake up, up out of bed with joy. I don't care what they say, you know, if I get those guidances, do you want to go into higher service? And I go, of course. And then it doesn't feel right. Like I'm denying my creative flow. I just now say no as well. It's like there must, you know, either, I don't know what it is, if it's a test or, or the, or, or, um, the mind playing tricks because, you know, these visions can be so real um, and, and often have authentication qualities to them as well. But I, I agree in the end, our, our inner heart, however you want to call it, the higher self, the I am presence, the heart, we must follow. And the way we know that that is working, the great Joseph Campbell gave us the phrase that lasts for all times, follow your bliss. Absolutely. I, yeah. Like it, if it feels really good and you're getting closer and closer and hotter and hotter, you just get more joy, more bliss, because more electricity is coming into your body. And then you start to say, oh, my God, this is ecstatic living. And this is being in this playground and it's no longer work, it's play. And your world starts to reflect the most wonderful, you know, heaven on earth, to use that phrase. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that's a very important sharing is everyone out there is seeking, 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 whether it's through masters angels, elementals, all these wonderful beings that are part of all the realms of our beloved Mother Earth, or astrology, tarot, you know, all these other systems looking outside of them, and not maybe going into like you, what you were saying, Lorraine, how does it feel in the heart? Like just mm. simple, simple, simple. Yeah, do the tarot for fun. You know, we pull dragon cards for fun. And, and it, it is lovely, and you can get a message. But in the end, and, and, you know, Phil reads tarot, these, these, these things can be wonderful for signifiers and clues, like little crumbs on the treasure hunt of our lives. But mm. in the end, we need to come back to here. How does mm. this feel? And I thought that um, the way you put that was great because it's a feeling, isn't it? And it's very simple. It's yeah. not a big shebang. It's so simple. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really, and, and as you say, it's really there within us. 
but mm. it needs to be developed to be fair. And I, when I was moving from external and seeking, seeking, seeking and saying the 108 names of God and, you know, whatever else I was going to try to do to be connected to my higher self, you know, to move into listening to my heart. I, I used to take days where I'd say, okay, today I'm just going to listen. I take a day off work or a day off everything. And I would just, you know, develop active listening. And I noticed mm. the sound of my heart was very whispery, probably because I never listened to it very much. And that other voice was really loud, but it also was accompanied by a little shiver of anxiety or force or urgency that the voice of the heart never is. Mm. It's always soft. It always feels like an embrace. And gradually over many, many, many years, I train myself to do that. And most of the time I now listen to my heart. Not always, because again, um, uh, self-care is really important. Like I, I think self-care never ends. And if we let go of it and get into exhaustion or whatever, mm -hmm. we can go back. All those lovely little lost friends are waiting for us, you know, in our psyche. I'm really vibing off this whole conversation. And it seems to be so much about really listening to ourselves like as the as the high as a very like a level of maturity i guess that that's if we could help someone spiritually or just in a in a, in a normal way the best thing we can do is is to get that person connected with themselves and listening to themselves and um yeah just to follow up what what stephanie said about her like it's a perfect example of the external thing of looking for looking in cards or images for this thing that, and, and, and yeah, I, I've, I've done a bit of a deep dive on that and, and really it is about going one step before. So it's like, if I'm wanting to pull these cards or whatever or reflect, then, then what's motivating, motivating me is, do I feel uncertain? Do I feel afraid? Do I feel impatient? Am I scared about something? Uh, am I excited about something? And, um, and really, uh, I've um, been through a whole process with tarot to be like, there are points, and I came to a point where I'd flip them over, they'd give me a story, and I had grown to trust them so much. And then one day I looked at them and I said, you know what, fuck you. And I said, I'm, I'm writing my own story today. And that's, that's exactly what I did. So, and nowadays, what I'm trying to implement with those cards is, is I'm trying to weave stories with them and which say to people, you are powerful. You are mm. in charge. You are the agency in your life. And it, it's an interesting thing because within that framework, people are so much wanting a story. They're wanting an affirmation. They're wanting this outside confirmation. But really, that's not where the true power is, is it? No, no, yeah. not at all. I've had a whole bunch of conversations with people and they've gone on quite similar lines. And it's, oh, I want those people to validate my skills. I want those people to do this. I want those people to love me. I want those people to give me this, those people, those people, those people. And then when I've said to them, why do you need that? You know, you want those people to love, to love you, but do you love yourself? And the answer has been no. And I've gone, well, why do you expect the external to do what you want if the internal doesn't, isn't there and it was almost like a hallelujah moment if you like where they, something went on between their eyes and they went oh okay all right so it's all about inside and I was like yes it's inside stop giving your power away because when you go outside 
that's what you're doing. You're going, oh, you know what? Here's my power and everything that is me. And I'll put you out there and you guys out there do what you like with it. That's basically what you're doing, right? Just be aware if that's what you're doing, you know, have an awareness that that's what you're doing. Not saying don't do it, do whatever yeah. you want have to your do. Journey. Have your journey. Have your journey. You may want to experience yeah. what that's like for many decades. And, you know, yeah, yeah. About yourself. Yeah, but, but you know what I think would be a really you're doing. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it might be a really cool thing to do um, if you guys feel up for it. Is we could go around the circle and uh, give our listeners something that's helped us be more in touch with our our heart or our flow, um, and 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 you know, uh, just some something simple. Um, you know, whatever you guys feel like. Does that sound like a good thing? Just, just a little bit of an offering of, of what might have helped you along the way. Because sometimes I think, you know, when we've, we've come to um, a realization, it's easy to expect people to understand what we're saying. And I, I think it's kind of really nice to just say, just experience it yourself. You don't need to even believe us, believe no one, just believe your own experience. And we're going to give you a couple of little simple techniques to um, help you find your your inner inner heart so even you can go play in the playground of all these wonderful things but just always come back to this place and check in mm -hmm. and um, you know and that's also how you develop discernment and your body learns to trust you again and start to be able to give you information like maybe don't go there maybe that person's nice but maybe not today you know that kind of a thing which we tend to write over and go why does this keep happening to me i keep meeting people you know that sort of thing yeah because you need that experience again so um, how does that sound, folks? Sounds good. That sounds good. Perfect. Okay, great. Who wants to go first? Uh, well, I, I've got an offering here. Um, and I think in, in my experience, this whole process of coming back inside of ourselves and, um, and once again, being in charge of our, ourselves and, and having that internal reference point, what I found was that I had outsourced so many things to other people that it was um yeah it was that um projection and that people in my life had had my power because i had given it to them so that there is this whole process of of renegotiating or to to be to say to people hey i don't want to connect with you like this anymore and in fact this is what's really going on inside of me. And I've just been kind of playing along and that I think there's this internal, it's that internal external thing. And, and you can work on, you can work on the level of relationships. You can work on the level of, of um, that the external is just going to reflect it so much that we can challenge those things. I think that the, the essence of what I'm saying is what worked for me was to have, I really had a fire, a fire that said, I'm not satisfied with, with these arrangements. I'm not satisfied with, with, how I'm, with how I'm living. And that fire was like, no, go and be honest, go and tell people and then, and, and, and be willing to face the, the flux. For me, it was about facing, cause it's like that afraid of what other people think is, is kind of, we're afraid of what, what we will think. We're afraid of, um, it's like that nothing can, bad can really happen if we tell someone honestly what our truth is. But, but there's this kind of policing force, a kind of 
a kind of fear or something of like what's going to happen if I really reveal and, and let everything and put it in the open. But um, I feel like that that is an offering that I can bring forward. Um, that um, is, is just honesty and um, and and having the courage to share, and that just creates so much space and and so much confidence to keep doing that again and again and again because because you get a different response people actually respect that and they treat you differently yeah yeah Yeah, i've definitely seen seen big changes in you phil it's been quite remarkable Uh, i'll go next um well i uh, my i guess i'll choose um uh my journey with my my body and my mind because um i had a jewish dad who is amazing extraordinary man and had a very big intellect and, and like the jewish culture really prizes learning and education very, very highly. And um, I, I found um, kind of like to my amazement, because I've been on this spiritual journey so long, um, increasingly over the years, touched into points where I realized my mind was dominant. Um, so we have our mind, our emotions, our physical body and our energy body for our earthly vehicle. That's how I see it. And then our higher self and I am presence or however, however the culture defines these things. And um, I realized that I was, the body and the emotions are very much connected because the emotions start as a chemical cascade in the body and you know we feel them. So that's a big clue. They're in the body, it's something we feel. And I, I've just been on a long journey to get my mind to just literally stand in a row with the other three bodies and be a good soldier with my higher self as the driver um, and not my mind. So, and like, you know, slightly devaluing um, the mind and the intellect because I collected knowledge, like some people collect, you know, old cars or statues. And I realized knowledge is not where it's at. Knowledge is actually a barrier to knowing. Knowing is, you know, something on a need to know basis where your heart just perceives a download and, you know, like really, really great souls like um, Black Elk Speaks, an, an Indian elder I met in America, who's the grandson of, of the author of that book. And he, he could speak to great scientists, great doctors, and he'd never read a book in his life. He was so, con- so in reverence, so in complete gratitude, and everything was alive in a being, like he talked about the eye beings and the mouth being, and, you know, the cell beings. I mean, everything had a, a, had a, it was in soul to him. And he had reached such a state of connection with source that he could speak about the highest science or the highest um, you know, poetry or literature without ever having studied or anything. And to me, he was such a beautiful example of being in total knowing, not cluttered up by knowledge because knowledge gets old fast. You know, it was only not even a century ago when everyone thought an atom was a bunch of square blocks standing on each other, you know, that's knowledge. And now we know it's just energy like everything else. So. Um, do you know finding ways to and, and then bring up my body which I think was the most ignored one of those four and that was through the heart and just doing simple things like breathing into the heart and kind of like what you were saying earlier Lorraine like touching into the heart literally or the belly you know the hara coming down here or any aspect of my being and you know doing breaths to integrate all the chakras you know these the, any neglected ones and start to be able to bring in those senses so that I would know what was right for me or not. So that's my offering as just um, checking in with your, your four main earthly bodies and saying, who's dominant? Are your emotions really dominant? Or maybe your body's really dominant and it gets to do whatever it likes? 
or is your mind or the energy body is sort of interfacing like the violet ray on the rainbow where it's a kind of going into the spirit world a little bit but a lot of things originate in the in the energy body that can then vector through the mind emotions and show up in the physical body if they're not addressed so that's also really important so anyway that's my offering I'll go next. I'll go next, I guess. Um, for me, it's a very, very simple. Um, given my uh, upbringing, which is very much about um, extrinsic religion, extrinsic locus of, um, of control, that everything immediately was bypassed and handed over, and there were a series of rules to follow. Um, it's deeply important for me, just personally, um, I have a tendency towards a thing called scrupulosity, which is a form of religious OCD. And uh, it's a very real and diagnosed form of, of a, not diagnosed to myself. Whereas uh, the tools can begin to hold more meaning than myself. And so what I do um, personally is I put all of the tools away, all of them. Every, I put away my journal, I put away the crystals, I put away anything with which I go to, all of the tarot cards, the whole lot, and I become Malcolm the human, a part of nature, and I walk into the backyard, and I might watch a spider spinning a web. And I'll look at the, of what we label as the beautiful parts of nature, but I also look at what we label as the entire play of the cycle, all of the cycle of ordinary life. And in that ordinariness, I find a type of magic of which I'm an inherent part. I am both part of this play and I'm a big part because I'm the self, but I'm a dot. And that just allows me to both surrender to it, but also to own my, my role in it. And from there, that's almost my step before gratitude, my step before anything else. So for me, I guess my offering is if you were struggling with the path or if you feel that the tools are becoming more important and are cluttering one's own knowing, put them away and just see yourself here and now in the presence of of, of what is. Don't question it. Don't think about it. Walk outside, look at a spider spinning a web. That spider is beautiful. It is, it is so gorgeous. It is such an unknown to us. And it creates something beautiful and it creates destruction. And that's all fine. The whole lot is absolutely fine. Um, and I, I do that on a regular basis. Uh, and, and for me personally, given my my upbringing and my predisposition and sensitivity towards um, towards some of the things that happened, and my predisposition towards scrupulosity, it's a value to me to just walk out and just be with what is. No, oh, that was beautiful. I, I love that. It reminds me also of um, a child in a way, you know, just like seeing my grandson just becoming total awe about a bee. And just thinking, oh my gosh, you know, just even watching him is so heart opening. But that that kind of really, you know, was very heart opening to hear and such a valuable offering. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, just like be more like children. Be a kid. 
thank you. Open your mouth, taste the raindrops. My daughter used to do it and I did it for a while. Yeah. Great. Uh, yeah, <laughs> remember to go get wet in the rain and don't worry about your hair. <laughs> Note, to self. Note to self. Thank you. Thank you. I know. I know. In Wellington, we can't worry about our hair anyway. So no, we really can't. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. Okay. Thank you, Lorraine. Um, my offering would be awareness, ownership, and choice. Mm. So if we have awareness, for example, of our thoughts, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Where did that come from? And we start pinpointing those. As part of my journey, I would then get the, but why is that still relevant then? If that came from all the way back then, why is that relevant now? And eventually it would be annoy me enough <laughs> that I would own the thing and go, I need to go and do something about that. Cause you know what? That's not now, that was then, or that's no longer valid, or that doesn't feel right. That might be something that, you know, my head or experiences or whatever is telling me, but my heart is telling me something different. So, and just kind of acknowledging the fact that what's external, going back to the external internal and deciding what to do with that so I'm a big believer of we can't always control what happens to us in life but we always have a choice on how we react to it always 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 doesn't matter whether it's the best thing in the world or the most hideous experience ever we always have a choice on how we react to that and I guess that's what I'm going a lot along those lines with just it's part of becoming and knowing yourself um and understanding where you came from and also acknowledging, and that's okay, right? That is okay that I think that. Because if you want, you can justify it, but getting to a point where you don't have to justify it, it just is. Mm. But then doing something, then owning it and going, okay, it just is, but maybe I don't want it to be anymore. And then owning it and making a change. So that's what I, that, that's what I would say. Be oh, aware, that's, that's be aware. So beautiful. Of no, I really love that. I love that very much. It kind of reminds me of, you know, just getting your best teenage whatever on, yeah. you know, <laughs> there, there's a lot of wisdom in that, you know, just like whatever. Take yeah. off that layer of self-criticism that just makes it all so much worse. Mm. Oh, those are those were beautiful offerings. Thank you all so much. What do you think, my dear co-host? What do you think well, about time? We're about we are literally just about an, an hour in and uh, there's a feeling of completion from me. So yeah, I think that was beautiful. Yeah. I, I feel so grateful to you guys for this amazing sharing. And um, I think where we ended up was so beautiful, you know, back to the heart, back to the self, um, you know, back to that. Uh, and I, and hopefully our, our listeners will really get something out of, this sharing and I, I'm deeply grateful to all of you. Yeah, big gratitudes to uh, to Malcolm and Lorraine for joining us and for sharing um, yeah. all your, your journeys and, and your wisdom. And also gratitudes for Stephanie for showing up with her wisdom too. Thank you. And, um, and thank you to, to any listeners who, who join in this conversation and yeah, we, we wish you so many blessings and for all this to land and to ground into your life. Um, 
Well, that is all for us for now. Bye. Thanks Bye-bye. We, we can stay on stop. Bye. Thank you. Bye.